What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter to my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about, well, divine persuasion. God calls us to be followers of him. The Bible teaches how we are called by God. That being said, what if we do not want to heed that call? Is that it? Does God then wash his hands of us? Of course, we're going to talk about that and more in this episode. I hope that you all are having a good day. Today is Canadian Thanksgiving. October 9th, this Monday, and it's not always the 9th, it's the, it may be the first or the second Monday in October or something like that, but it's kind of a weird thing to get used to because, quite frankly, um, in the United States, Thanksgiving is in November, and your holiday time and everything is marked like thanks, or, uh, yeah, Thanksgiving starts the Christmas season. I know that sounds weird, but it just is what it is. Anyhow, before we get in the meat of our podcast, we have a word from our sponsor, and I really hope that you take advantage of the service that Lindsay Faye Dotson offers, Dotson at gmail.com. Are you part of a church congregation seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches whether it's flyers, postcards, social media graphics, or anything else that you might need, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss the opportunity to make your message resonate far and wide. Contact Lindsay Fay Dotson today. Send her a private message on Facebook or lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. I got to get everything straightened out here. All right. Now, also, for those of you that that are interested in it, that have asked me about it, you can send money to PayPal, www.nearchurches.gmail.com. It's on the screen, and um, you you can send as little as you want or as much as you want. A lot of people have said they don't want to do buy me a coffee and they don't want to do Patreon. But we're on Patreon and buy me a coffee, www.patreon.com and www.buymeacoffee.com. Both of those, if you just do forward slash Christianity now, will get you to where you can become a paid supporter. And if you don't want to do that, near churches at gmail.com. Now let me let me get let me get that off the off the screen we'll get back to our chat and i want to do the overlay here and here's all of the platforms where you can catch us all right especially this one here is really taking off understanding the time aaron dotson's videos just keep getting more views and more views and we keep getting more followers and more followers so so you may enjoy what we do over there and then this one right here is where we put out all of our articles and for our uh, premium subscribers on this platform here. Uh, I do a narrated version of the article. It's less than 10 minutes always. And 
you'll be able to listen to it through your headphones instead of having to read an article. Now, folks, let's get into it. First off, how does God call? Well, I think it's very interesting. First off, let me get to the Substack article. And first or Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, we are called by the gospel. All right. We are called by the gospel. And what does that mean? Well, I think we're going to have to go to John chapter 6. And let me, let me queue up our, let me queue up our article. Now, check this. We're going to go to John chapter 6, and we're going to read in the 40s. I can't remember exactly what verse it is. Yeah, 43. John six forty three. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. So we are called by the gospel, and the, the idea behind that is every person who knows about Jesus is drawn by God to Jesus, and we have to be taught. We have to learn. So even though salvation is not an academic pursuit, you cannot know God. You cannot have a relationship, a covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ without academia. In other words, not without schooling. I'm not using academia as schooling. I'm using academia as you got to think and reason and, and use your mind. I think about 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself, appro- thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to give diligence. Diligence to what? The word. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and correction and instruction in righteousness that the uh, man of God may be perfect Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So God calls us to faithfulness through the knowledge of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, that's how grace and peace is multiplied to you. I've been watching some YouTube videos uh, from people who are behavior analysts and behavior experts and nonverbal communication experts. And I have developed some kind of nervous tics and ways to deal with anxiety while I'm live streaming. And a lot of them have to do with touching my face, stroking my beard, or rubbing my hair. And as a rule of thumb, they said, whenever somebody is telling you something that is not true, they will touch their face. And the higher up they touch their face, like if I said, you know, my name is Tony Brewer, and I'm a preacher for the Riverview Church of Christ. And I've been on a diet, and I've lost 37 pounds. You see what I just did there? I just scratched my head. Now, I did that on purpose. I haven't lost 37 pounds. I'm not even on a diet. But they said that a good indication is the higher you touch yourself in your, on your face and on your head, uh, the, the bigger the lie is. And I do this right here, and I rub my head like this, or I stroke my beard as a, as a coping and a soothing mechanism. So anyway, I may need to, I may need to take care of that and not do it. But anyway, so let's talk about divine persuasion. 
God calls us to faithfulness, and we have to understand God's call to faithfulness. Think of Second Peter, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And go to Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth forth, showeth forth his handiworks. And then you go to verse, I think it's six or seven. It's the law of the Lord that converts the soul. The law of the Lord makes wise the simple. That which was able to make Timothy wise unto salvation was the Holy Scriptures. Folks, in our journey of faith, we often find ourselves pondering what it takes to remain faithful to God. How does the Almighty persuade us to walk in His ways? Well, in this reflective exploration, we're going to delve into five compelling ways in which God communicates His love and guidance to us, drawing from the timeless wisdom of the Bible. And incidentally, I cannot believe there's 16 of you here. That's amazing. If every one of you would please like and subscribe and share on whatever platform you're watching this, you can be the algorithm for us. And if you can at all, make a comment and let us know that you're here and let us know where you're from and stuff like that. Now, the power of divine commands. God's commands are like a signpost on our spiritual journey, much like a caring parent instructs their child. God provides us with commandments to steer us towards righteous living. You know, a lot of people, they, they don't like the yoke of bondage that Jesus expects us to wear. Uh, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that are laboring or heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You will find rest for your souls. That's not in order. That's not a quotation. Carthage, Tennessee. Good to have you from Carthage. But the point is, we are yoked to a master, whether it's Jesus or whether it's some other thing, really and truly in the whole scheme of things. If you're not yoked to Jesus, you're yoked to Satan. But again, it's, it's not going to be as cut and dry as that. No, I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody who is not actively following Jesus truly comes to terms with the idea that they are actually following Satan. I think a lot of times what people think is, well, you know, I'm just not as good a Christian as I need to be, but God knows my heart. I'm still fine. Oh man, God gives us commandments so we don't lose our way. That 99 that stayed in the pen, they were safe. Nothing could harm them as long as they stayed in the pen. And the boundaries of the pen, they, they would have to work to get out of them. The boundaries of the pen were there for their safety. But that one sheep that wandered off, he violated the boundaries of the pen. And if he would have died while he was away from the fold, then he would have, well, died. He would have died outside a right relationship with the, with the shepherd. That's much like these commandments. I think about Psalm 119. Is it one? No, it's not 119.104. Is it 119.101? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, that's going to bother me. Hold on just a second. Let's go to Psalms. 119. Now, 
It's not 104. No, maybe it's 104. I'm going to try. I'm going to try 104. Nope, that's through thy precepts I gain understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Well, hold on a second. We're going to find this. This bothers me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Psalm 119. Well, all I got is the song. Psalm 119, 105. Goodness. Okay. Well. Yeah, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it and I will keep thy righteous judgments. Folks, if we use God's word and the commandments from God's word as a boundary for our lives as we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we will never stray. We don't have to get caught up in debates like once saved, always saved, or once a person obeys the gospel, can they ever lose their salvation and go back into the world? Can they ever go from a state of salvation to a state of damnation? We don't care about those debates. We don't care about those arguments because we're going to let God's divine commandments keep us in the fold. And an example of these divine directives are the Ten Commandments as revealed in Exodus 20. Now, we don't keep, uh, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, but these divine commandments, if we just followed the Ten Commandments, let's say we didn't know a thing about Jesus. Let's say we were just trying to live a, a good life and a fulfilled life in this world only with eternity out of our mind, okay? If you just followed the Ten Commandments, the entire world would be a better place. That is how powerful the commandments of God are. Now, so God gets us to obey or walk in faithfulness, rather. God calls us to faithfulness through the power of divine commandments. He also calls us to faithfulness through a declaration of love. Listen to it. The Bible eloquently reminds us John, 1 John 4, 9 and 10. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Folks, that word propitiation, that's we, we individually, well, then that wouldn't be we, would it? I, I, Tony Brewer, owed a sin debt. Every person, and, and this is amazing. Think about this just for a minute. God said, let there be light. Even before God said that, let there be light, he could see the finished creation sprawling out in front of him. He could see the beginning from the end. He knew what was going to happen. And he still, every one of us who would ever live, owed him a debt for the sin against him that they committed. And he loved us so much that he provided a way for him to be paid the debt that was owed to him 
which was a genius way that he could forgive us of our sins and not punish us in the way we deserved. And he still remain true to his nature that is a God of justice. I just wonder if we actually appreciate that profound point. I know that I get overwhelmed by it sometimes. Folks, God sent his son to pay the debt that we owed. These sentiments, in this verse specifically, unveil the depth of God's immeasurable love for humanity, laying the foundation for our faith. So he calls us to faithfulness by this wonderful declaration of love. He also calls us to faithfulness through demonstration of sacrifice. So it's not just that he says, I declare that I love you. He demonstrates his love through sacrifice. At the heart of God's love story is the profound demonstration of his sacrifice through Jesus Christ. John 3.16 declares, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, this, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ stands as the ultimate testament of God's love. He just didn't say, I love you. He showed. He demonstrated. He acted. He didn't just say, be you warmed and filled. Filled. Be you warmed and filled. And then sent us on our way, said, I'll pray for you. No, he sent his son. His son had to die. In fact, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, all three made sacrifices. You realize that? The Father sacrificed his son. The Son sacrificed, um, I don't have time to flesh this out. The Son sacrificed some attributes of deity. If nothing else, the Son sacrificed omnipresence. And the son sacrificed preeminence. He submitted himself as a son and not an equal. Philippians 2, 5 and following. And the Holy Spirit sacrificed agency. We don't know anything about the Holy Spirit except what Jesus allowed the Holy Spirit to teach of himself. So like I said, I don't have enough time to flesh this out, but all three sacrifices were made. And there's another unsung sacrifice of our Savior, of our suffering Savior, found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when the end comes and he will have laid down the kingdom at the feet of God, he's going to give the kingdom for which he died back to God. So there's sacrifice all around. The, but the crucifixion is the ultimate testament of God's love, offering us redemption and the chance to cultivate a relationship with our Creator. We need to read the Bible and realize as we read how much God loves me. Rusty Kirby. And of course, the quote-unquote us. And I think that's probably in response to um, what I said about... Uh, I was using the editorial we and, and, and the plural us, but really and truly the propitiation... We owed him a sin debt, but really and truly, 
I owed a sin debt. And God loved us first before we loved him. Yeah, that's about all I can go on that. I'll, I'll get a little bit emotional for some reason right now. I, I'm, typically, <clears throat> I'm typically a little bit more stoic. He loves us so much that he provides for every soul every day, no matter what. But not all will reap the end blessing. You got that right. Good, good comment there. Hey, hey, Alabama. And uh, Debbie Mangus, good morning. All right. Now, God also calls us to faith and persuades us to be faithful through the promise of blessings. Now, let me tell you something. I put forth to you, if the only reason you're serving God is to get something in return, that's at least as bad as if the only reason you're serving God is so you don't want to go to hell. However, your walk of faith, you will, you will travel back and forth on this spectrum. Would it make you think less of me if I were to confess to you that there are times, even lately, that the reason I do what I'm supposed to do as a Christian it's because I don't want to go to hell. And there are times when, I'm, when I only do what I'm supposed to do as a Christian is because of the blessing that comes from it. Now, most of the time, I would do what I do as a Christian because I'm thankful and I love God. That's when I'm in a healthy place and I'm in a healthy mindset. But sometimes life gets me down. Sometimes the work gets me a, a down uh, not, not not i'm just just normal right no i'm not i'm not there, there's no temptation overtaking old tony but such is is common to man so i'm hoping this resonates with you however we do need to understand that one of the ways god persuades us to be faithful is hey look if you're faithful there's a promise of blessing oh deborah o'neill says i do the same thing i appreciate that Oh, hey, hey, Alabama, that's a good song. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Yeah, that's right. I, I hadn't thought of that song in years. That's a good song. All right, sorry, the singing part of the podcast is over. Let's talk about how he calls us or how he persuades us through the promise of blessing. The Bible is replete with promises of blessings for those who choose to walk in obedience. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14 outlines these blessings, encompassing prosperity, protection, divine favor. These promises reveal God's desire to enrich our lives as we remain steadfast in our faithfulness. Now, this is a blog article. This is not a scholarly theological work. I know full well the context of Deuteronomy 28. Um, I just didn't want to make an, a, a, if, to, to, write a, to write a blog article is a whole lot different than writing a scholarly article. A scholarly article, this, this would be 1,500 words longer than this article is. So I understand the concept of the context of Deuteronomy 28. However, I'd still suggest go to Deuteronomy 28 and read the entire chapter. 
Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14 is all of the blessings if the children of Israel do what God tells the children of Israel to do. So you have the promises of blessings. That's how God persuades us. Another way, this goes right in, and this is the last way, thing we're going to discuss today. Um, warnings of consequences. So remember, you, as, you walk, as you walk down this life, this straight and narrow path, you will run the gambit of both extremes. There are days whenever you only walk the straight and narrow because of the promise of blessing, and there are days when you only walk the straight and narrow because of the warning of consequences. And I would say that most of us do the right thing and walk the straight and narrow because we love God and we're grateful for the things that he's done for us and we want to show appreciation and adoration. That's whenever we're feeling healthy. That's whenever we're mentally, physically, and and spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy. But on those days that those feelings wane, we have the promise of blessing keeping us going. And if that doesn't work, you have the warning of consequence. So that's how God persuades us to walk in faith, to be faithful, to obey the gospel, all of that good stuff. While God extends his love and blessings, he also issues warnings about the consequences of disobedience. Deuteronomy 28.15 serves as a stark reminder, and I've, I've put 28.15 in the article, but if you'll read 28.15 through the rest of the chapter, it is all about the bad things that's going to happen to Israel if they don't do what God wants them to do. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. These abominations, folks, underscore the importance of faithfulness and the potential outcomes of straying from God's path. Let me read to you, and I, I, should, I should be able to quote this as often as I reference it, but let me read to you Deuteronomy 28, 63. And I remember being in the Memphis School of Preaching in a class by Keith Mosier whenever we went over this chapter in Deuteronomy, and I had my contemporaries, men in the class with me, that had a problem with the implications of this verse. Listen to it. And remember the profundity of God persuading us to faithfulness is that before the the beginning of time, before the dawn of time, whenever we were still just a a, a vision in in the mind of God, God could see the beginning from the end, and he knew the outcome of every man and woman who would ever live, of whether or not they would be faithful, of whether or not they would... Uh, sin against them to the point of damnation, hardening their heart where they wouldn't repent, or to the point where they would sin against him and they would soften their heart and repent and follow him through his covenant, uh, through his covenant way. He knew all that. He provided the debt. He provided a way for us to pay the debt we did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. And he did it in such a way that satisfied his justice. And if you ever want to understand about the justice of God, read Deuteronomy 28, 63. And it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you 
and to bring you to nothing, and ye shall be plucked from off the land, whether thou goest to possess it. Now think about the implications of that. God's justice is equally satisfied with the punishment of the wicked as it is with the reward of the righteous. So much so that the scripture can read, as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, in this manner will the Lord rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to nothing and to pluck you from off the land whether thou goest to possess it. Folks, do not muck around with the justice of God. Take full advantage of the mercy given because of the grace provided. Access that grace by faith because he is begging you from across the annals of time. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their ways and live. Turn you, turn you from your evil ways and live, for why will you die? I've given you the propitiation. I've done the work for you. All you have to do is take it. So, that is how God calls people to faithfulness. And that is how God persuades people to remain faithful. These five things, God calls us to faithfulness and persuades people to faithfulness by the power of divine commands, by, by the declaration of love, by demonstrating love through sacrifice, by the promise of blessings, and by the warning of consequences. In our quest to understand God's persuasion for faithfulness, we encounter these commands, boundless love, unparalleled sacrifice, promise of blessings, and sober warning of consequences. These facets of God's, these facets of God's communication collectively illuminate the path of faith, inviting us to draw closer to our Heavenly Father as we reflect upon God's multifaceted approach to persuading us. May our hearts be stirred to love him wholeheartedly, for he has already equipped us with everything we need to reciprocate his love. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, how can I do that, Lord? Because I've already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called you to, to glory and virtue. In embracing faithfulness, we discover the abundant life which Jesus died for us to have that God desires for his children. Folks, I hope that I have said something today that has encouraged you to remain faithful. And that if you're not faithful, I hope I've said something that encouraged you to get faithful. I hope God has used me as an instrument to persuade you to become and or remain faithful. And I would pray that this article and this podcast perhaps would equip you to go out and do the same for other people. Folks, I thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. Remember to subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Check out Substack. Check out our other platforms. 
especially this one. Debbie Mangus, thank you for that. Thank you for everybody to be here. Again, Tony Brew with Cogitations. Um, tune in tomorrow for Aaron Dotson and myself. Uh, going to be same bat time, same bat channel. I believe 10 a.m. Central Standard, 11 a.m. Eastern. I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about. We may discuss this last chapel, uh, this last chapel um, session at Freed Hardeman, where it looks like during the devotion, they allowed a woman to get up and address the student body, but they made no line of demarcation between the period of devotion, which would have, would have been a 1 Timothy 2.8 situation, and the, the, the student body being gathered together, which was not, which is not a 1 Timothy 2.8. So I'm really scared that maybe they made an oversight and, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be something I want to discuss and I want to kick it around. Um, I am, I am really big on not, uh, attacking or being hypercritical where it's not warranted. But if it is warranted, I think we need to talk about it and we need to, to bust it wide open. So maybe tune in tomorrow and we'll talk about that chapel session. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got. God bless every one of you. And uh, the Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Hey, hey, that's, that's a, I, I don't think I could sing that. I think I've only heard it one or two times, but that's a good one. Folks, God bless y'all. Thank you so much. And again, we'll catch you on the flip side.